Welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. I'm John Williamson, the host of the podcast and founder of K-12 Food Rescue, an organization founded in 2007, committed to empowering people to lead the food is not trash movement in their school districts. Today, I'm joined by John Minert, Director of Food Rescue and Transportation at Second Helpings in Indianapolis, Indiana. So, John, welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. Good morning, John. Thank you for having me. Uh, Happy to be here this morning. So, John, can you uh, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and Second Helpings and kind of the role you play in the organization? Sure, gladly, gladly. Well, I am uh, I'm a Hoosier through and through. <laughs> um, I grew up in uh, northwest Indiana in the city of Hobart. Um, moved down to Indianapolis to attend IUPUI, where I, I met my wife, and we started a family. Um Spent a handful of years living in the Riverside area, and now we reside um, in Hamilton County in between Westfield and Sheridan. Oh, my daughter lives in Sheridan, so I know that area relatively well. Yeah, well, there's not a lot of area to know, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's nice and quiet up that way. It's quite the difference uh, from being down in the city. Absolutely. So uh, can you recall the first time you had uh, you learned about, say, food waste issue, the food waste issue in our country and uh, what role um, that you play in connecting with Second Helpings? Sure, definitely. Um, So pretty early on, um, I was very fortunate to uh, be blessed with uh, a mother who's a master gardener, um, spent many many hours uh, in the garden, weeding, tilling, picking, um, harvesting from the fruit trees and the the raspberry, blueberry bushes. Um, And it was always stressed um, not not to be wasteful. Uh, One of our our classes took a tour of Second Helpings. So I had um, learned quite a bit about what Second Helpings does for the community, and it always um, stuck with me and was very interesting. And after many years in the restaurant industry, I I saw the perfect opening for a food rescue director at Second Helpings, and I I hopped to it, and six years later, the rest is history. Well, just just out of curiosity, when you were in the restaurant industry, did you do any... you know, rescues there or organize any with what you saw on the restaurant end? Uh, we did. Uh, small scale. I was uh, I was in a, a barbecue business that did a lot of catering. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were we were very um, very good about not overproducing mm-hmm. or wasting. Uh, our mentality was it was better to uh, run out of an item towards the end of the evening than have a bunch of waste at the end. But um, a few few different occasions we would donate items to our friends over at Wheeler Mission when we had yeah. um, canceled events or weather ruined something. Um, but yeah, on a small scale. Well, coming from an event planning background, um, every food rescue is an event <laughs> in and of itself, you know, and having somebody organize it's definitely needed. Um, so what exactly is the total impact of Second Helpings uh, in the greater Indianapolis area, just for by chance that our audience wouldn't uh, know who Second Helpings is? Sure. Um, so at, at Second Helpings, um, we have a three-prong approach. We have our food rescue operation, we have our hunger relief operation, and then a culinary job training class. Mm-hmm. Uh, the culinary program is uh, 
seven-week program free to the public um, for unemployed or underemployed individuals, um, taking the approach um, that, that this will go a lot further than you know, giving the old adage, giving a, a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, teach him to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, but our, uh, our impact on the food rescue side uh, our last fiscal year, we rescued 3.7 million pounds of donated items, and we distributed uh, 1,075,000 meals um, throughout uh, Marion County and the Donut County. So we're we're also involved in Boone, Hamilton, Hendricks, uh, Hancock. Mary, and I think I might be missing one, but well, uh, <laughs> the majority of our work is within Marion County, but we do branch out where we can. Wow, that is just um, an amazing amount of food uh, rescued and, and meals distributed. It's just stunning. It is a substantial amount of logistics. We also have a, a redirect program where, um, so about half of what we receive on donations is used in our hunger relief operations. Mm-hmm. The other half we offer to our nonprofit partners through our, our pantry services to where they can come in, shop, they can build a cart, a pallet, uh, as much as their, their demand is. And we have, we welcome them to that. We do all that at no cost. So mm-hmm. then our partners can fuel their funding into their mission. So it's a it's a beautiful concept and it is an event. Every aspect is a, it's a big scale event with a lot of logistics. Absolutely. Um, so when our organization evolved from a food rescue, excuse me, from food service um, and grocery rescues um, to an education and K twelve food rescue, you know, Second Helpings was one of the first organizations we connected with. Um, to discuss their capacity to service Indianapolis schools by picking up their surplus food. And that was back in like March of 2015, we met with Nora. Um, and uh, the great Indian, greater Indianapolis area has over 200 schools, um, but one school district, Washington Township, has been particularly successful with second helpings and K-12 food rescue. Um, can you share with our audience first kind of how the program works and then over time, what the impact has been over the years, perhaps by indicating, you know, maybe what your data shows on an average year um, in a district in terms of pounds of, of food rescued and um, which is what food rescue track, kind of the pounds. Sure. Um, yes, uh, you're spot on. We've, we've had great, great success with Washington Township. Um, it was a it was slow development. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, we had. Um, started receiving donations from three schools and then after maybe a solid year of <clears throat> a successful partnership they they were ready to expand and um, so now we're, we're involved with all the schools in Washington Township and that was um, that was just a lot of invested individuals um, it nothing works without you know, buy-in from the, the dietitian and management at the schools. Um, all the cafeteria managers have to be vested and have to um, really receive buy-in from, from their staff as well. Uh, but we just did a little trial and error and found what, what day worked 
for the schools and what day works for us and how to, you know, manage efficient routing so that you're, you're not vesting uh, entire day. We, we kind of, we run a pretty thin staff. So it's uh, efficiencies are of the utmost importance from our food rescue program. Um, and number wise, so we really picked up steam after or towards the end of 2017. Uh, I believe that's when most of the schools popped on board. Mm-hmm. But we've uh, we've received over 140,000 pounds of donated items just from Washington Township. Um, so that's it really uh, gained steam and doesn't seem so substantial when it could just be, you know, a couple milk crates uh, at each school each day. But once you're, once you're been to all the schools, the van's full, like it, it really adds up and it's just a beautiful process that, um, that you develop to have them collect the items uh, from the students, giving them, you know, that generally they, and you would be able to speak even further. I know that, yeah. um, but placing, you know, bins on a table where if the student doesn't want their milk, they can trade it for an apple or they can leave the milk. Um, so giving, giving them choices, um, and they're, them all being healthy choices. It's, yes. it's just a great, um, great tool for, for the community. Well, I love the the fact that you hit on the aspect of needing a champion in a building with getting buy-in because as we put these things together, we always talk about how important um, that is. Without that champion in the building, the success is really, it's difficult um, because if you don't have anybody to communicate with on the logistics end, you can't make it work um, or somebody that's not committed to it. So um, so I'm going to ask you a question related, for lack of a better word, phrasing it, the secret of your success. Um, so, so that others who might be listening, say either a food bank or a food pantry partner, some schools that are interested in participating might learn from the foundation um, that's made it work. Because communicating with 11 schools to coordinate pickups can be a challenge. What do you think has made the partnership, um, you may have just hit on it earlier, but just to check, is there anything else um, compared to say what, where you may have had other challenges that's, that's made it either difficult to begin or fall apart. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, definitely the, the secret to our success. I, I think it's, um, our staff, um, their soft skills and, and the ability to, um, so when I target uh, staff drivers, I, I really emphasis on the soft skills. Whether it's a school or a grocery store or a wholesaler, we may be in and out five, ten minutes, and mm-hmm. it may just be once a week. Mm-hmm. So having this, the soft skills to build a relationship with the manager or the receiver, um, so that, you know, they know that we're vested, um, 100% and that their their partnership carries the, the weight because we couldn't do it without them if they're not buying in and helping save items that may otherwise be wasted. Um, so very, uh, very strong emphasis on soft skills and then consistency. Um, just having set the, 
the schedules and making sure one way or another we always make it and we're always in the window um, that we need to be to make things work. Um, obviously, COVID has been quite mm-hmm. the challenge and turnover everywhere is always an issue. Yes. So you, you build a great partnership and then the staff turns over and then you're kind of back to square one. So it's, it's, a, it's um, keying in on those things happening right away and then hopping to it to, to build that, that rapport again and strengthen the relationship back to what it was. Say so those are the keys. Yeah, I love that point about consistency, because when we talk to our schools, um, we try to present it on your end. You know, imagine if you're a food pantry and you show up and nobody's ready for you, you know, and nobody's ready for the. And it's just going to hurt that partnership. It's not consistency on both ends. So I think it's an excellent point. Um, can you uh, kind of describe to our audience the type of food items that you're getting from these 11 schools? I know that it probably differs on a daily basis. Um, or a weekly basis, but can you give me an idea of what what you, what you are bringing, picking up? I should say. Sure, sure. Uh, generally, we receive uh, milk, juice, fresh fruit. Um, sometimes raw fruit. Sometimes mm-hmm. it may be cut in a sealed container. Um, granola um, types of types of items, fruit snacks, um, but. Generally, they're all uh, perishables and they're all fresh. Is it fair to say those those are distributed to your food pantry partners to get out quickly, or due to the fact that they're perishable, or or they stay within second helpings with people coming directly to second helpings? Um, I would say most of the items we send back out to our partner agency. We would pick all those items up uh, this morning, and then they would. They would land on our, our warehouse uh, around lunch. They'll get processed, and then they'll go out tomorrow morning on the, the meal tickets. So a lot of that stuff ends up um, at uh, boys and girls clubs, after-school programs, uh, senior centers. All ages, all walks of life, and um, just having a, a well-trained warehouse staff that knows um, – what's useful to our partners, uh, makes all the difference. Got it. So, so if a smaller food pantry wanted to support, say two or three schools, do you think their volunteers could pick up this food safely? And, you know, what do you think they need to be able to do to that? I mean, I know second helpings most likely has a refrigerated truck, you know, so, so I'm asking, I guess what it would take, um, to do it on a smaller scale. If you, if they had an SUV or a truck, do you think that would be possible? Oh, sure. Undoubtedly. It would definitely be possible. Um, We are blessed with a a fleet of refrigerated vehicles Mm -hmm. of various sizes. So we kind of manage that uh, based on the routes and and what they'll need not to not to be wasteful and send a huge truck to a a small, small uh, pickup anywhere. Um, But I, I do think a smaller pantry would be able to successfully partner with a school, um, even even with without refrigerated vehicles. Um, it would it would more than likely, you know, take a as mentioned previously, uh, good logistics, consistency, um, a game plan for, especially without the refrigeration, um, to pick the items up and immediately get them distributed to yep. a, a location in or yep. into into refrigeration 
but I do think it could be done um, in an SUV or truck with, uh, you know, coolers, um, possibly Cambro, insulated Cambros to mm-hmm. help help keep keep items in the, the safe uh, temperature zone for handling. But um, undoubtedly, it could work. Yep, I know in Hamilton County, I think you know the Grace Care Center, Our Lady of Mount Carmel Merciful Help Center, Fishers United Methodist Church are just three food pantries that uh, do go pick up in SUVs with their volunteer support um, system. So I'm um, just happy to hear you say that as you see that being able to be done um, and replicated, um, even if you're a smaller organization. Um, so schools are starting to come out of the restrictions, you know, related to food sharing with COVID. What exactly is Second Helping's capacity, do you think, to pick up from um, schools in Indianapolis if they were willing to partner with you? And if they did, what kind of impact do you think it would have on hunger relief um, with Second Helping's and your partners? Oh, it would it would be substantial. Um, and Second Helping's would undoubtedly have interest in, in expanding into to more schools. Um, it would be on a, a limited capacity uh, based on um, staffing, uh, we don't, you know, our reach isn't the whole central or the Midwest, you know, we're pretty concentrated, right. but um, yeah, anything could be, logistically, anything's possible if you're willing to work towards it. So I think expansion, it would be a thing. Uh, one, one angle we haven't explored completely would be like, uh, having partner agencies make the direct pickup for mm. for their operations. Um, uh, that's just one angle we haven't explored, but that is a viable source. Um, you know, we're, we're partnered with uh, over a hundred nonprofits and about, well, I would say about 80 of those right now receive meals and 40 of them receive uh, the redirect mm. items from our pantry services and some double into both. So there is, um, there is room for growth and there are a lot of nonprofits out there that are interested in food, food donations and making pickups. Um, it's just, it's a lot of work on the front end. Yes. Um, getting those consistencies and your, your strong, uh, reliable volunteers are, I mean, they're kind of the key to, to, to everything, in my opinion. Yeah. So while I've got you on here, I'm thinking to myself, you know, what do you think the, the, the possibility would be if a school district could, say if they had 10 schools or 15 schools, if they could bring, would it impact Second Helpings uh, if, if, they could, if the food could be brought to one location twice a week where you were only picking up from one or two places rather than 11 different ones? That would be very difficult for a school to do. But how much, how much more impact could you have if you were only picking up from you know two places instead of eleven, and and then adding more districts? That would that would make all the difference in the world. I think we could potentially be partnered with, you know, not to throw concrete numbers out, but well over fifty schools if you know every eight to ten was consolidated to one location. Yeah. It, it would make all the difference. It would have a, a huge impact on, on the community. Well, we can always dream and throw that out as if a vision, right? If, if, we're, if we're not exploring these angles, you know, we're, we're, not, um, we're not doing our best, honestly. That's right. 
Well, John, I'm going to end the podcast on that uh, kind of hopeful note. Um, I hope that many of our uh, schools will come on board over time, and I hope they'll be inspired by hearing the story of Second Helping's K-12 food rescue efforts with Washington Township Schools. And I thank you so much for what you do and joining me uh, on the podcast today. And if anybody wanted to learn more on the logistics side, had questions, if, if they could reach out to you, how, how might they uh, contact you? Sure. Um, I can be reached, uh, John at secondhelpings.org or um, through, through our main line, uh, awesome. which very readily available on our website. Excellent. Uh, link to my numbers and email. Um, happy to explore any avenues with anyone interested. Um, right. I greatly appreciate the work that, that you do, John, and it it's definitely been a, a great partnership that we're, we're proud to have and continue for a long, long time. Well, it was great talking today. Have a great morning. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye.